Hey Baltimore, this is Megan. Today I have two fabulous guests. I'm here with Stefano Porcile and Jen Marsh, who are the chef and GM of Colette, respectively. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah it's good to be here. Good, good. morning. Yeah, good morning. Um, so, first of all, we should talk. We say that Colette and Bottega are sister restaurants. Correct. Is Bottega the sister or the brother? Uh, I guess Bottega is like. I think Bottega is like the the male. Yeah, the older brother. The, the older yeah. brother. The yeah. frere. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Exactly. And this sir is that sister in French is Colette. Yeah. Yeah. And then yes, and then Colette would be the baby sister. There you go. Yeah. So can you guys talk about um, how Bottega was created and then how that led to Colette? So Bottega was sort of Adrian, our boss's first project when moving into Baltimore. Um, the whole coming together of Bottega is kind of mysterious. I know that he worked on it for about a year and a half, and he would do crazy things. Like, he tore down a barn in West Virginia, sort of like, to gather all of the wood to build the beautiful farmhouse atmosphere in Bottega. He tore it down himself? Yeah. He like, <clears throat> Sorry, let me try that again. <laughs> he tore it down himself? <laughs> yeah, he, he like tells me stories of like, driving to West Virginia every day for like, you know, like months, and like, physically tearing apart a barn and then transporting it back oh like my gosh. it's crazy man adrian's such an enigma he you know he works really hard sometimes but uh, sometimes <laughs> but uh you know he he's always doing something crazy you know and um yeah i mean i think bottega kind of was the expression of his upbringing um sort of trying to bring baltimore the like, the way that food was eaten and, like, provided for him when he was growing up in Tuscany and Italy. Um, it's, like, pretty pretty simple food, mm -hmm. but hearty and, I mean... Well, it's perfectly done, simple yeah. food. <clears throat> exactly. They can afford to be simple. Yeah. You know? Right, and that's kind of, like, sort of their challenge, you know? It's finding their niche in the Baltimore community by, by doing really simple food that's just centered around the pasta, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, some of the best meals I've ever had have been at Bottega. Me too. Be it before or after I worked there, you know? Yeah. It was really great. And so how did that lead? Because I know there was talk of a move to Hamden, and then right. Colette sort of appeared, and it was exciting. But what was the leap to there? Well, the, uh, the Colette took over the Red Parrot space, and they were in business maybe nine months. And then the <laughs> lease, I mean, then the lease just kind of came open, and... Next thing you know, uh, Adrian signed it, and I don't think he really had any yeah I mean, like anything in stone when he signed the lease. He just knew he wanted that space. Well, Adrian kind of like we were looking at the Hamden space, and originally it was going to be another restaurant. Then we were going to move Bottega. Then it was just like really crazy, you know. And for whatever reason, it wound up not working out. And at that point, I was kind of just like waiting for the next restaurant because I had been working at Bottega, but they were fully staffed there, and I kind of, like, um, I was just waiting. And all of a sudden, he, like, comes up to me, and he's like, hey, uh, what do you think about Red Parrot? And I was like, I mean, I've eaten there once. It was very <laughs> mediocre. Like, <laughs> well, because they had, like, every kind of yeah. Asian food that exists on exactly. one menu. Right. And it, it was so their like, menu was, like, pages long. Yeah, oh, yeah. And it was so expensive, too, you know? It was, like, <laughs> carry-out Chinese food for, like, $30 a plate. They right. were crazy. Um so he comes up to me and he's like, what do you think about Red Parrot? And I'm like, okay, like, it could be interesting, you know. And then the conversation that follows was sort of like what the identity of this, like, restaurant we were going to put together was. And, you know, at one point it was, like, Thai food. At one point it was Chinese food. Um, 
And then, like, we kind of, like, narrowed it down to doing more of, like, an Italian, like, gastropub type of deal. Um, ironically enough, it didn't work out like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, one morning I wake up um, to a text message from one of my best friends, and he was like, hey, man, I saw your name on the paper, congratulations. And I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, but that's great, awesome. Like, And then he sends me the article, and it's a Baltimore Sun article being like, owner Adrian Eshelman opening a French eatery in Station North. <laughs> he didn't tell you. <laughs> like, yeah. what the hell? I've never cooked French food a day in my life, you know? Um, so it was kind of like, and that's sort of the beauty of what we do, you know? It's kind of in that fashion. It's very much like um, improvised, I want to say. Yeah. Like, it's very much about, like, flying by the seat of your pants and just, like, you know, seeing what can happen. Well, I think that translates into the restaurants because they don't feel uh, forced. You know, you kind of feel like, oh, this is just what was supposed to be here all along. So that backstory makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, it was it was very funny to me. Um, yeah, and then it was kind of a challenge, you know, because I went from, like, um, working at Woodbury and cooking, like, new American food to, like, working at Bottega and sort of, like, like, I'm pretty familiar with Italian food because of my background, but um, definitely not in a way that, like, Adrian and Sandy were. And after Bottega, I sort of left and ran Fork and Wrench for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I guess, where I came into, like, the identity of my food. And so going from, like, you know, like, not knowing what kind of food I made to making French food, you know, it's a pretty big, a pretty big leap. How did you learn how to make French food? Um, so, it's pretty funny. It's, like, very non-conventional how it happened. I, um, I'm good friends with Lane, the owner of Clavel, and her and I sat down for a series of conversations about her experience in Provence, and she, because she had a period of time of her life that she spent there, and she gave me some, uh, she gave me, like, a couple of books, like, um, one by MFK Fisher about her experience there, one sort of it's just, like, really interesting book that's one of those, like, paperbacks that you would see of classic literature, and that is sort of, like, on the subject of provincial cooking. So it's not so much a cookbook like you would see nowadays. It's more, it, like, talks about the history of the dishes and, like, how they came together, and it, like, gives a really narrative description of how to put these things together. So it was, like, very much, like, a really intellectual development of the food more so than, like, an experiential one, if that makes any sense. Like, Mm -hmm. it had a lot more to do with sort of, like, the philosophy that um, the chefs in Provence and that the food in Provence really took on to, like, develop into what's happening at Colette now. So did that inform your learning how to cook French food, or did that inform the menu itself? Um, So that informed the menu in the sense, like, if you look at the menu at Colette, you know, it's not overwhelmingly French in preparation, you know, like, there are some preparations in there that are very much, like, classic French dishes, but for the most part, we're trying to, like, embrace a philosophy, um, which is one that's really centered around seasonality, which is one that's really centered around, like, a sort of really committed, like, ethos to the food. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a lot more about, like, being thorough and exploratory and really using what's available to us instead of just, like, regurgitating dishes from, like, French history, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that being said, like, it's not really like we're trying to, like, push the envelope in anything. It's still very much, like, hearty, like, home food. Um, but it's done so in a really pious way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think one of the things that also helps is the menu is small. Mm-hmm. 
So we can cook the things and create the things on the menu well. Right. So we're not trying to be a diner or red parrot <laughs> and represent <laughs> All every, of Asia. Yeah, yeah. We're we're really just trying to hone in on kind of doing what we do well. Yeah. Well, it's fun to go because we when we go with a group, we tend to just order like every entree. Yeah. You know, because there aren't a million, right. you can kind of do that, and then everybody gets a taste, and it's this really wonderful accidental family style approach that means I've gotten to taste almost everything, yeah, which is yeah, awesome. That's, that's, that's the way to do it. And actually, we, we get that feedback a lot, that a lot of people, like, they almost brag, I ordered everything on the menu. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can do it at Bottega, too, yeah. which is also cool. You know, right. you just share it. So it's... That's kind of... That's we should kind give of, awards <laughs> for people who do that. You should have, like, a T-shirt club. Yeah. Exactly. There are pictures on the beautiful walls in there. <laughs> I don't think that would work with the <laughs> no. aesthetic one. <laughs> no, I mean, that's something that's really important for me, you know, uh... Food for me is really something that, like, is meant to bring people together and really, like, foster the sense of community. So it's really, like, beautiful to me seeing the people that come into Colette and seeing them really come together and have a beautiful time Mm -hmm. because of the food and the experience that we're putting out. Yeah. Um, It's really a privilege to work there. It's nice to be able to say that about where you work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I have questions about the wine next. Okay. Um, Bottega's BYOB. Colette is not. Um, how did you create the wine list? Is it collaborative? I mean, do you just stick to the region of France that you're cooking from, or how does that work? So so basically, when we first started out, we were kind of just like, let's get some wine on the list, and we wanted it to be uh, affordable. We wanted it to be nothing more than um, $10 by the glass, and then the bottle would be reasonable as well. Um, and we kind of like made sure that we had... <laughs> Um, a bunch of different varietals uh, represented. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but that was literally like day one. So as time has gone by, and it's really only been three and a half months. Um, really? Yeah, it really yeah. has been. Oh yeah. We're, it'll be four months in like two weeks. Um, we basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, we basically, um, talked about like, just like the sophistication or not sophistication of the clients that we have. You know what I mean? We don't want, we don't want to be like, oh, look at our wine list. It's so snobby. And you have to have like a Psalm come over and pick wine for you. Um, but we have something for everybody because mm-hmm. we do have kind of like old school clientele that really, really loves Bottega. So therefore they're coming over for Colette. And then mm-hmm. we have kind of like we're in Station North. So that's a really eclectic, kind of like really great crowd to kind of come in. And we don't want to be like, oh, they're too, they're unapproachable. Right. So um, we have, uh, we call him the wine queen, Walker Seidel, who's on staff. Um, and he has been, he's worked uh, for Tony Foreman and he's worked at La Cuchara. Um, and he really kind of got into it and decided, like we all decided that we wanted to kind of really only represent old world wines um but we really we have a lot of french but we also have italian spanish Mm -hmm. you know kind of keeping within the old world tradition um and we also wanted to make sure we had good italian because people from bottega can come over and buy wine oh and they get a discount so we wanted to make sure that that we were complimenting food at bottega with italian you know selections as well as french yeah that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. So, you know, like you're at Bottega, you're waiting for a table, you might drink a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. I know I'd panic. 
Uh, we've gone to the corner store <laughs> yeah. near there and yeah. gotten, it was like a chilled red, but it was, <laughs> oh, I mean, it was like 14 feet tall. Mm, it was like $7. Great. It was the worst thing I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't know I could just yeah. over to Colette. And now. so you're out of wine at Bottega and you're only on your second course. Like you can run over to Colette and get a bottle of wine. Um, a lot of people have a, a cocktail at Colette before because we're literally almost across the block from each other. Right. Um, we're, right after. Yeah, we're we're 1709 and there's 1729. So oh, okay. on Maryland Avenue. Um, so people will come for cocktails and then go to Bottega, you know, have their wine and then come back for after dinner drinks or dessert. Sounds like a great. So it, it is. It's very it's it's very much hand in hand. And one of the things that I'm excited about is that so many people love Bottega. I mean, love it. And that love is transferring to Colette as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's really impressive that it's being pulled off well at both places. Yeah. Well, um, due to your proximity, does your staff overlap in both restaurants? Sometimes you'll see service that kind of help out yeah. at each other, but um, the kitchen staff is pretty independent. Yeah. And how did you hire the kitchen staff? I mean, who, how did you meet Adrian, um, and I mean, how, how do you get all these people together? Well, I met, Ad- I met Adrian. Um, after someone urged me to apply for a job at Bottega probably two years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just a prep cook at Bottega. I had just left Woodbury. Um, I was looking for, like, a much less involved job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was working, That's like... every hire yeah. wants to hear, or employer. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't... I wasn't forthcoming about that part, but... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and we just built a relationship really over the food that we were making over there. Um it was really cool for me. Like, I basically took, I got to take all of the things that I had learned at Woodbury and in my career up to, up to that point, and then just really, like, get to, like, see what I had, you know, because, like, it's much smaller. Like, you're literally doing everything there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then we sort of maintained a relationship after that, even after I left. Like, I had been at Fork and Wrench for, like, maybe, like, a month, and then he was like, hey, man, like, I'm thinking of opening this other restaurant. Like, would you want to be the chef, you know? And I was like, uh, I guess so. I like working for you a lot, you yeah. know? Um, and then, yeah, with the kitchen staff at Colette, I mean, we just got, like, really lucky. Like, um, a lot of people came up off of ads from Craigslist that are really hardworking and really talented. And um, the way that we put together the front of the house staff is actually, like, kind of a really beautiful extension of Bottega because... When I started working at Bottega, it was really evident to me that it was, like, a really close-knit group of friends running a restaurant, Mm -hmm. you know, and the staff at Colette is very much kind of, like, the extension and evolution of that. Mm -hmm. So it's like everyone kind of reached out to their friends, um, and we got to staff this, like, really nice restaurant together, and it's really nice to be able to work with people that all get along and that all have, like, you know, like, previous history, because then there's, like, a much deeper sense of camaraderie Mm -hmm. than you'd find in restaurants where it's just a bunch of strangers kind of, like, coming out and selling food. Yeah, it's definitely not, like, TJ Fridays. Yeah, (laughs) hopefully not. (laughs) (laughs) A little more intimate. Yeah. Um, So if we could just pull back a little bit and look at the broader food themes of the city, Mm -hmm. um, how do you, other than the reasons we discussed, how do you think Colette and Bottega succeed in Baltimore in the food scene, and, and where do you see the food scene kind of going? Like, What are the trends right now? So I think that Colette and Bottega's appeal has to do with, like, 
the really thorough and intellectual approach, right? We're providing an experience that is becoming more common in the city now, but it wasn't for a very long time, you know? Like, um, there's been a lot... Like, I don't know, I mean, I feel like there's been a, a renaissance in Baltimore dining in the past years, but before that, you know, it was really just, like, you could go eat at Woodbury or you could go eat at, like, a Foreman Wolf mm-hmm. restaurant, and that was kind of it. You know, now with, like, all of these smaller places opening up, um, it's becoming more common to see restaurants that have, like, a really solid approach to their food that's really, like, centered in, like, a deepened sense of care. Um, And I think that that's something that appeals to people a lot. I think that it's, you know, not just a meal. It's more of, like, a really thorough experience. And, you know, there's, like, different, like, aspects of the meal. And all of it is kind of, like, pretty well thought of and, like, cared for. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I think that as far as where Baltimore is going, you know, it's there seems to be a trend towards, like, medium to smaller size restaurants kind of, like, really taking the spotlight and that's really like incredible to see you know it's really cool especially for me as a chef to have the opportunity of like having been given the space where i can just like make food that's indicative of like who i am as a chef and you know i have a lot of friends in the like industry that are all in similar experiences you know and there's so many people doing such incredible work um yeah it's i feel like the city as a whole is like pretty collaborative with the chefs at different restaurants kind of caring about the other chefs at the other restaurants. Sure, yeah. I could I mean, have asked yeah. that more articulately, but <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Everyone plays nice. Is yeah. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, totally. There's been, like, just earlier this season, you know, with, like, um, ramp season just kind of happened, you know, and it was the sort of thing where, like, we bought a bunch of ramps, and then the people at Waterfront Kitchen foraged for a bunch of ramps, and, like, you know, like... I was selling ramps to this guy, Steve, at a room who does, like, incredible work, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much at cost because I was like, man, like, I want this guy to get to work with this, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, I at one point ran out of ramps and went to buy from, like, the waterfront kitchen people, and there's this sort of, like, really nice community developing, and I think that that's really beautiful. I think that it's really cool to see, well, it makes sense, you know, it's all people, like, united by their passion for food. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's really nice to be in a place where that fuels a community and not rivalry. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that's very much the climate here. Do you think there's anything missing on the food scene? Well, one of the trends that I'm picking up on, um, I mean, is the gentrified marketplace. You know, marketplaces are now like, you know, the Mount Vernon marketplace. And what it does is allow people to go in and not spend $200,000 and build out and whatnot. They can spend kind of a reasonable amount of money um, to, it could have been their lifelong dream mm-hmm. um, without taking out a giant note from, uh, you know, a financial institution. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they're, they're all uh, set up to be incubators to a certain degree. And then, you know, whoever rises to the top could possibly do a spinoff restaurant. Right. But um, I feel like it's giving people a chance. And, you know, like, like as Stefano said, like the smaller dining experience is what people, I think, are craving. Um, and so, you know, you have your Mount Vernon Marketplace, you have Our House, which is supposed to be opening in the fall. Mm-hmm. Then there's the project that is going up on York Road. 
haven't heard about that. That's either. more of like a, a commissary kitchen. But I at think. the same time, it's still going to be like like a to do to the public. But yeah. it, but again, commissary kitchens are hard to find. So they, so again, it's like finding these little tiny like Belvedere Square. Yeah, and yeah. Belvedere Square has been the They're like the the stalwart. Yeah, and then the uh, city markets, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like they're trying to gentrify the cross street market and. You know, Holland's Market is still around, yeah. and Lexington Market, they're gentrifying. So it's kind of like just that city experience that people used to go to and buy, like, their uh, produce and meats from butchers, and mm-hmm. now you just go to the store. Right. You know, I think that there that whole thing is coming back. Um, but the great thing about those markets is it allows people who might have always wanted to do that have a chance. Yeah. To see, and some cases it really, really works well. In some cases, it doesn't. Yes, I think the <laughs> Vernon Marketplace has worked beautifully. Yeah, yeah, it's, totally. We just we take our kid there and get a glass of wine and dinner and buy some produce, and it's the most relaxing. Yeah, enjoyable. No, it's you know, it's not running to the grocery store like yeah. panicking. It's like, oh, I'll just look at the fruit from over here while I sip my Sauvignon Blanc, and uh-huh. then I'll go buy it in a minute. Right. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I like playing ping pong there next to the dumpling shop. Uh huh. It's great. It's, it's a really, really good time. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, great. and I, you know, I take um, that like my kids that are not my kids, but my kids. Mm-hmm. I take them there, and it kind of blows their mind because they've just never experienced anything like that. But they love the fact that they can get dumplings here, and then go over here and get you know something else mm-hmm. like a you know cheeseburger. And then they can get you know they can get whatever they want. And they it's funny because when they first walked in, and I didn't even think about it. They didn't even under, understand that concept. Right. It's like a 21st century food court. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It, it, you know, because the food court's a food court, you know. Right. But this was, like, presented in, like, a market space. And right. they were like, what? And the, the non-compete situation's pretty cool. We're like, yeah. I, don't, I don't feel stressed out to, like, get a glass of wine at, uh, like, the oyster place. And then, you know, I'll get dumplings from Pinch. Like, there's no stress. They, yeah. It's very, like, no, no, get what you want. Sit wherever you want. Have a good time. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty... Like, don't sit over here. You didn't buy dumplings. Right. It's accessible. Yeah, everybody's very, very just... You know, it's... Again, it's like a family. Yeah. So do you guys have anything coming up uh, event-wise? So on June 11th at the Four Seasons Waterfront Promenade, a bunch of chefs and other food-related businesses in the area are getting together to do... What is it? Small Bites for... Small Bites for... uh, To benefit the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Um, tickets are on sale now, and they were having a deal where you could get, like, discount tickets if you acted early. Mm-hmm. Um, that may or may not have passed yet, but it's definitely worth checking out. It should yeah. be a lot of fun, a lot but of really delicious some, food. It's some good buzz. Yeah. 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 Cool. We hope to see everyone there. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here this morning. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah. All right, I'll see you at Colette very soon, I'm sure.